Life Audio. Welcome to the Real Refreshment Podcast. Join us as we dive into motherhood at the foot of the throne with your host, Rachel Carmen. If you are tired, overwhelmed, and feeling alone, this is the place for you. A place for real moms with real stories seeking real refreshment found only in the living God. Take a minute to visit rachelcarmen.com and join the community of Real Refreshment listeners who are taking the dare to be in the Word as a top priority in the journey of motherhood. All right, let's kick off this latest episode of the Real Refreshment Podcast. Here's your host, Rachel Carmen. Hey there, everyone. It is time for us to continue our M&M series and discuss today Psalm 34. When we come back, we're going to dig into this passage. We're going to do some background work, and I've got a dare for you at the end of our time together. I'll be right back. Is it hard to spark meaningful conversations with your kids? Whether you're a homeschool hero, planning activities for the next family vacation, or simply gathering around the dinner table, we've got something that can help. Introducing the Daily Family Conversation Starter by best-selling author Katie Clemens. This remarkable book offers 365 imaginative ways to connect with your children in just five minutes each day with prompts like, who made you laugh today? Or what would you do if you had a tail? These simple questions open up a world of laughter, curiosity, and deeper connections. From dinner time to sleepy time, the Daily Family Conversation Starter is your key to creating memories that will last a lifetime. Don't wait to transform your family's daily routine into an adventure of discovery and fun. Grab your copy of The Daily Family Conversation Starter today, wherever books are sold. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Okay, everyone, as promised, I am going to dare to put this psalm in context. And once again, I have far more for us to go over today than... I think we're going to be able to cover. I get so excited about discussing the Word of God with you. I am so grateful for the opportunity to do this. I have had all of my resources out and piled around me, really in my happy space, sitting on my tiny little sofa, surrounded with my concordance and all of that, and I am just thrilled to share with you what I have learned. And I hope, once again, I hope that this makes you want to get out your Bible and study for yourself and see what the Holy Spirit would teach you. There is a study guide available for this at rachelcarmen.com. 
and you can take notes and dive into this if you want to on your own. You don't have to have the study guide, but I do hope that it inspires you to get into God's Word because that's where our hope is found, in God and God alone. So Psalm 34, penned by David, but actually for it to have the most meaning for you and I, we need to go back to the context and when... David pen this? What is the circumstance that inspired this? So you may or may not be familiar with who David is. David was the glorious king of the United Kingdom in the Old Testament. He was actually the second king. You may remember that God's people, after having le- left the wilderness crossed over into the promised land. There was a period of time where they were ruled by judges, a succession of judges, and then some uh, priests and prophets, notably Samuel. And it was during this time that they're into the promised land. They've gone through this cycle of following hard after God, then forgetting about God, then going into some sort of oppression, then crying out to God and God delivers them. That is the cycle that is repeated over and over through the book of Judges. And finally, they get to the people, the place where they want a king like all the other people. And so they go to Sam, and so they go to Samuel. And they demand a king. And it really breaks Samuel's heart because Samuel is like, God is your king. He's the only king. And he tries to warn them about what it would mean if they actually get what they think they want. And I'm here to tell you that will preach all day and twice on Sunday. You and I often, you and I often ask for things that are not best for us. And I am very grateful in my own life that God does not always get me what I think I want. And I'm betting that there are times in your life where you would say that same thing. Thank God that you did not give me what I thought I wanted, right? So this was the people at that time. Samuel tried to warn them, you don't want this, and this is why. And you can go back into the Old Testament and study that. But eventually, God and Samuel, in conversation, God gives them what they want. And the first king of the United Kingdom was Saul, And again, you can go back and read about what kind of a king Saul was. He started out great, ended up not so great, right? And in the process of Saul being the reigning king, God actually directs Samuel to anoint David as the next king. So David is anointed while Saul is still on the throne. Yeah, this is a complicated situation. And yet David acts with a great deal of integrity, Well, Saul becomes very jealous of David, especially after, and this is where I can give you some actual text to go back and study, especially after what is probably one of the most familiar passages in all of the Old Testament, and that is when David faces Goliath. You'll remember that the people of God went out to face the Philistines who were perpetually their enemies, right, in the Old Testament. And David's brothers were at the battlefield, and David was sent by his dad to go and check on his brothers and take them some supplies. And when he arrives, he is appalled to discover that the people of God are cowering behind rocks because there's this giant. And David just is like, what in the world is going on? What in the world is going on? He goes into Saul So notice the audacity of David. I mean, here's a ruddy, scrappy kid, right? 
And he is willing to face the giant. He's willing to do what none of his brothers are willing to do. What none of the other soldiers in God's army are willing to do. What the king himself, Saul, is not willing to do. David goes in and goes, I'll do this. Because he's insulting God. And what I want to call your attention to, so again, you can go back and pick up that story in 1 Samuel 17. I want to skip down to verse, let's see, 45. We're going to pick up kind of in the middle of the story. I hope you'll go back and read it. But this is when David actually goes out to face the giant. He says, um, the giant says to me, am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David. So this is when David is actually going out to face Goliath. And you'll remember that on the way out, he simply picked up a few smooth stones. That's literally, he did not take a sword. Saul had put on his own armor onto David. And David is like, yeah, this is never going to work for me. And so he took it off because that was unfamiliar. That is not where David's faith was. It wasn't in a shield or armor or a sword. His faith was in God. So I want you to listen to what David actually says. He goes out and faces the giant in what all of the Israelite army and certainly Saul thought was just a sheer death wish. Everybody assumed that Goliath was just going to crush this kid, but there was really no stopping David. He was determined to face the giant And so he goes out, and this is what you need to hear. This is David's speech to the Philistine. So you've got the Philistine giant with his armor bearer and this this scrappy kid who most of the time is a shepherd out in the night with the flocks of sheep. That's what he generally does. And he has run out, right, to face the Philistine. The Philistine refers to him as a dog. I mean, he's just making fun of him. And it has to be a terrifying scene for David's brothers who surely are watching this whole thing. And this is what David says to the Philistine. You come to me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have taunted this day. The Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I will strike you down and remove your head from you. And I will give the dead bodies of the army of the Philistines this day to the birds of the sky and the wild beasts of the earth, that the earth may know that there is a God in Israel, and that all this assembly may know that the Lord does not deliver by the sword or by the spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into my hands." Wow. So we see here that David's confidence was totally and completely in who God was. He never, ever doubted what God would do. If we back up to verse 37, this is what David says. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. That's what David says to Saul. Saul is like, yeah, no, you really, you shouldn't, you don't want to. This is not a good idea. And David goes, look, I have watched my dad's flock out underneath the starry host. And the bear has come and the lion has come and God has delivered me. 
you've got to appreciate David's humility here. He is not confident in his ability to hurl this stone in such a precise manner so as to fell the giant. That is not what he's proposing. David is saying, I am standing here and your defeat is sure, not because of what I can do, but because of who God is. That's powerful. And you know the rest of the story. Most people know the rest of the story. David does, in fact, slay the giant, right? But in the process of doing so, David also becomes wildly popular. And when we come back, we'll discuss the outplay of that popularity, and we will indeed get to this psalm. We'll be right back. Is it hard to spark meaningful conversations with your kids? Whether you're a homeschool hero, planning activities for the next family vacation, or simply gathering around the dinner table, we've got something that can help. Introducing the Daily Family Conversation Starter by best-selling author Katie Clemens. This remarkable book offers 365 imaginative ways to connect with your children in just five minutes each day with prompts like, who made you laugh today? Or what would you do if you had a tail? These simple questions open up a world of laughter, curiosity, and deeper connections. From dinner time to sleepy time, the Daily Family Conversation Starter is your key to creating memories that will last a lifetime. Don't wait to transform your family's daily routine into an adventure of discovery and fun. Grab your copy of the Daily Family Conversation Starter today, wherever books are sold. Okay. David defeats Goliath. David proceeds to defeat the Philistines, right? And the people of God, they love this kid. They love David. I mean, he is, like I said, he's scrappy. He is confident. And he is beating the enemies of God based on who God is. And Saul gets jealous. And if you don't already know this, jealousy is never passive, and what we see in Saul towards David, I will let you find it. This is your your treasure hunt mystery of the day. If you go again, we just did First Samuel chapter 17. Keep reading through 18, and you will find two instances, one in 18 and one in 19, where Saul's jealousy and fury and rage towards David, he tries to pin him to a wall twice with a spear. And David escapes. So when we pick up the story over here in 1 Samuel 21, 10 through 15, which is the context of the psalm that we're looking at today, we see that we David is writing this psalm in this moment of his life where he's fleeing from Saul. He's fleeing for his life. Saul's tried to pin him to the wall twice. His good friend, Jonathan, who, by the way, happens to be King Saul's son. I know it's a complicated story. Bible has amazing, amazing true stories. They're best friends. And Jonathan is just appalled that his father is trying to kill David. But it's true. And David is on the run and he's fleeing. And so we get this psalm in that context. And I just want to ask you today, what is the context of your life? Whatever the context is, if you're dodging proverbial spears, if you're trying to run away from something, you're trying to find safety, you feel threatened, you feel alone. Surely David felt alone. 
You feel hunted. You feel like somebody's trying to take you down. That's the context of this psalm today. Often the life circumstances that all of us face are not ideal because we're here in this world and in this place of conflict, in this place of sinfulness, in this place where people can be hateful and jealous and they can seek our ruin. And I just want you to know that if that's where you are today, or if you're in a situation where you just feel like there's nothing going the way you wish it was going, right? You would write the script a different way. Boy, do I get that. Boy, do I get that. What I want you to see as we're looking at all of these different psalms is the rawness of the psalms. And what I want you to understand as you begin, maybe, possibly, or continue your journey getting to know who God is, is that he's a safe place to be raw. You're not going to find anyone in scripture that was perfect. You're going to find, as you read, as you dare to dig in, you're going to find flawed person after flawed person after flawed person. Imperfect, sinful, broken, desperate. You're going to find people just like you and just like me over and over and over. And yet, and yet, God is so good. He meets them where where they are. And he loves them. He sees them. And so I want you, let's walk through this psalm now. Get out your Bible. Um, You can print it out and write it, you know, scribble all over it, draw arrows, mark where you're really understanding, where you feel like this is exactly where you are. Look, God gave us the Bible for our good, for teaching right? So that we can learn more and more about him so that we can be encouraged by all of these different stories so that we can see his plan of salvation from beginning to end. So we can be assured of his love and his grace and his mercy. That's why we have it. So as you're studying this, I pray that you'll be inspired, that you'll see yourself, you'll see opportunities, you'll see angles and more dimensions of God and who he is and what he's in the process of doing. So let's let's get started. What we see here in verses 1 through 3 is we see Saul say, I'm going to bless and I'm going to boast. I'm going to bless the Lord at all times, all the time. He is resolving right here and right now. I am going to choose to rejoice and praise God. I'm going to bless his name no matter what's going on. David is in the process of trying to flee a circumstance, the king, and then he gets himself in another hot mess, and he gets out of that one, and he's basically praising God for delivering him from the spear, right, and from this other king, right? And he's decided, I'm going to bless God, but better yet, I'm going to boast, but not in me, not in me, in God. In God, my soul, he says in verse two, will boast in the Lord. Look, that's a game changer for you and for me when we start boasting in the Lord and stop trying to boast in ourselves. The culture tries to convince us that we need to boast in ourselves, what we've done, what we're doing, what we've achieved, our successes, right? And right here, David goes, oh yeah, no, this because this isn't about me. This is about God and what God's doing. And then David says this. He says, as I'm blessing God, as I am praising him, as I am making my boast in the Lord, the humble will hear it and rejoice. 
let's back up just a little bit back to first Samuel. Let's just imagine because we don't get a commentary on this, right? But let's just imagine all of Israel cowering between behind rocks, fearful of this giant. And lo and behold, that smooth stone lands between the eyes of the giant and he falls down and David keeps his word and cuts off his head. Yes, he does. He defeats the giant. That had to be awe-inspiring for the other soldiers. And they had to have done exactly what verse says, or the second half of verse 2 says, the humble will hear it and rejoice. They saw. And they had to be reinvigorated by who God is and what God does. So in verse 3, David writes this, Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. This underscores the importance and the value of you and I worshiping and praising God in community, in fellowship, in unity with one another. You and I have an opportunity to come together and worship the Lord together. And when we come together, we need to talk about the giants that we've seen slayed through the week. The circumstances where God has heard and has delivered. That's what it means to be in fellowship is to come together and to discuss those things, to boast in what the Lord is doing and praise him together. That's what we have the opportunity to do. Picking up then in verse four, David writes this, I sought the Lord and he answered me and he delivered me from my fears. I just want to ask you, what is it that you're afraid of? What are your fears? What keeps you up at night? What hides in the closet of your mind? What lurks? What keeps you from focusing? What turns in your head and you can't get it out of your head? David says right here, I sought the Lord. He answered and he delivered me from my fears. Somebody out there needs to know that God alone can deliver you from your fears. Whatever they are. He delivers. He delivers. It says then that they looked to him and were radiant. Remember in the Old Testament when Moses was face to face with God or spent time with God on the top of Sinai, that he came down and his his skin shone. His skin shone. He was radiant to the point that he had to put a veil over his face until it subsided. Have you known those people? Have you known people that got the glow on? Who just, you could tell, this is a person who spends time with God. This is a person that God is real with. They get who he is. Have you ever spent time in a hospital room with somebody? You went to encourage them and you left encouraged? Have you, have you ever known anyone whose life circumstances were so remarkably awful and yet they'd embrace the joy of the Lord? Their hope wasn't in their circumstances or in this life. Their hope was squarely in the Lord. That's what David is talking about here. That if we look and our hope is in him, our faces will be radiant and we will not be ashamed. We will not be ashamed. See, the soldiers on that hillside cowering behind those rocks, they were ashamed. They were ashamed. And then David came in the name of the Lord. And he slayed that giant, and they weren't ashamed anymore. You and I need to remember that he still slays giants, that he still delivers. He says here, if we continue on in verse 7, 
The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him. And he rescues them. What about you and I exchange the fear of man for the fear of God? That's another one of those invitations that is throughout the biblical narrative. We have a choice. We can fear man and be enslaved to men and what they might do to us, right? Or, or the better choice, we can fear God and trust that he delivers, like David writes here, he delivers the righteous from all of their fears. Now, we need to define this issue of righteous. Who are the righteous? The righteous are those who have put their faith in God and the person of Jesus Christ. Because he is our righteousness. It's righteousness imputed. His righteousness imputed to us, given to us. We, we are not righteous in ourselves. It's his righteousness. And when we accept his righteousness as our own, we become his children. And those are the ones that throughout this passage, David refers to. Let's skip down now because we can't dive into every verse like I really want to. But here's a familiar passage, perhaps for most of you. Here David declares, oh, taste and see that the Lord, he is good. He is good. Listener, I want to ask you today, do you know that the Lord is good or do you doubt it? He's good. He's good. I'm not talking about your circumstances or your situation, your broken relationships, those places you wish you long for reconciliation. I'm not talking about the losses and the woundedness. We've all got that. We've all got that. I'm saying that above, literally above and beyond all of that, the Lord, he is good. And David is pleading right here saying, come taste and see, come dare to know that he is good, that he is good. So often we discount God based on our life circumstances or our situations, the challenges we face, the impossibilities, and we just write him off. And right here, David is like, no, 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 don't run away. Come closer, come closer, dare to taste and see. We have, we have God's word. Oh, in whatever circumstances you find yourself today, oh, that you would get into and feast on who he is, that you would dare to taste and see that he is good. That's the opportunity that is in front of us. He continues, oh, fear the Lord, you his saints, for to those who fear him, there is no want. That may be familiar to you. Psalm 23, David Same author writes this, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The actual translation of that Hebrew word is lack. I will lack no good thing. Do you believe that? That there's nothing, there is nothing that you will lack when you fear God. That's the promise. Throughout scripture, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I will lack no good thing. He continues, the young lions do lack and suffer, verse 10. But those who seek the Lord shall not be in want of any good things. Come, David says, and listen to me. Let me teach you the fear of the Lord. So for those of you who want to know what is the fear of the Lord, what does that look like? What does it mean? David goes, come, come close. Come, 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 come. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. So what is the fear of the Lord? It's it daring to know who he is, 
what he's done, what he is doing, what he will do, what he's promised. When he's coming back, he is coming back. And the question becomes, do you dare to fear a God? Are you daring to get to know him? Are you leaning in closer? Are you studying? Are you aware of what he has done, is doing, and will do? Not just in general revelation, but to you personally. Have you dared to take the time to consider how he's already blessed you? And I want to propose to you today, if you are one of his, you already have all that you need in the salvation of your soul. And yet, he's given you the the hope, the confidence of way beyond your fundamental need of salvation, the mercy extended to you in the person of Jesus Christ, dead on the cross to pay your sin debt, he has extended to you something beyond what you could ask or imagine in an everlasting life and fellowship with him in heaven. Mercy and grace beyond what you can ask or imagine. David says, I will teach you the fear of the Lord, who he is. Do you want, David asks, this is an interesting place in this psalm. If you look in verse 12, he asks this. So do you want a good long life? Do you want that? This is David. Rhetorical question. Then he lists six things. If that's what you say you want, then here, do this. Keep your tongue. Keep your tongue from evil. Keep your lips from evil. And I would just recommend if you want to know more of what that means, we can't, we can't do that today. Go back and read James three. James talks in chapter three about how hard that is. Seems easy. It's not easy, but it's what David says here. You want a good long life. Keep your lips and your tongue from evil. Then he says, depart from evil and do good. Turn away, he says. Repent. Here David calls us to repentance. It's the plea of all of the prophets. And even into the New Testament, John the Baptist and Jesus himself, the message of repent, turn away from your sin. Depart from it and honor God. Colossians 3.17, in word and deed, in all you do, in whatever you do, honor God. Honor God. Do you know? That if you and I determine to just, to just honor God in word and deed, we won't participate in the evils of the flesh. We won't. That's why God invites us to worship him and him alone. He knows that if we dare to just worship him, our sinful nature cannot compete with that. Because we can't sin and honor God at the same time. It's not possible. It's not possible. Two more things, keep your tongue, keep your lips, depart from evil, honor God, seek, seek. He says right here that we need to, I'm picking up in, in verse 14, seek peace and pursue it. Peace with God, reconciliation with God, peace with God and peace with our fellow man. We seek it and we pursue it. So not enough to just see it. But he says, run hard after it. And if we run after peace with God, we're running hard after Jesus. And we need to pursue him with reckless abandon day in and day out. Picking up now in verse 15, he writes this. The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous. He sees. Do you want to know that? Your God sees. 
You're his child, he sees. The ears, his ears are open to their cry. The faith of the Lord, though, get this, is against evildoers. Look, God is holy. He cannot exist with impurity or sinfulness. He can't. And it says here that his face is against the evildoers. His righteous wrath is upon them. Picking up then to verse 17, it says, The righteous cry and the Lord hears and delivers them out of their troubles. He is near, verse 18, to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Those who are vulnerable and lonely and sad. Those who are despairing, who are hopeless. It says right here, the Lord is near to them. Right there. He sees, he hears, he knows, and he is present. And if that's where you are, if you are just completely and totally weighed down by your circumstance, what I want you to hear is David's invitation here to look up to focus up, to stop focusing on the lousy circumstances. It doesn't mean you deny them. They are very real. They are an outplay of you and I being here in this broken world. But the best place to start fighting against them is to focus up and praise him, to dare to praise him. David continues in verse 19. So here's the assurance of it. He says, David, in verse 19, many are the afflictions of the righteous. Look, David is running for his life. The king, Saul, has tried to pin him to a wall twice. He's just had to leave his best friend. He is on the run, and he will be for years from cave to cave to cave, and he will have two times, twice, while he is fleeing Saul, he will have an opportunity to take Saul's life, and he won't do it. Isn't it interesting that Saul tried to pin him twice? David has two opportunities to take his life, and he doesn't do it. He doesn't do it. You can see over and over in David's life that his trust is in God. His trust is in God. And he says here, he says here, many are the afflictions of the righteous. In other words, That's not your imagination. Your current trials and challenges and situation, and they're really hard and frustrating and discouraging. David goes, yeah, yeah, not your imagination. Not your imagination. But second half of 19, the Lord delivers him out of them all. The Lord delivers. Going on down now in 21, He writes this, evil shall slay the wicked and those who hate the righteous will be condemned. And there's several verses about this, but I just want to call your attention to one in Proverbs 26, 27. It says that the evil dig a pit and they fall into it. It is so frustrating when people set traps for us, when they lie, when they deceive, when they manipulate And it is so easy for me, I know, to get discouraged and to assume that they win. And right here, David goes, yeah, no, no, no. We have assurance several times in Scripture, and that's something else you can look up and know, that those who are intent on wicked wickedness, sooner or later it comes back and it gets them. Then David wraps up the psalm with this. The Lord redeems the soul of his servant. 
and none of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. No one can snatch them out of my father's hand. So here's what I want you to know. He is worthy. God is worthy. What I want you to see from this psalm is that he hears and he sees. He is near. He is a refuge, a safe place. He answers, delivers, rescues, and redeems. So here's your dare. What if you and I dared to take God on Paul's admonition? To take God, what if you and I dared? What if we took God up on Paul's admonition to give thanks in all circumstances? What if we whined less and worshiped more? That would be a true act of trust and obedience. Trusting that God's got it and obeying that he works through our worship. That would be sacrificial worship. What if instead of shaking our fists, we raised our hands? That's all I've got for you today. I will see you next time. Let's dare. Let's dare to live like he's really on the throne. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you have a question or comment, we invite you to send it to info at rachelcarmen.com. And while you're at Rachel's website, check out her wonderful resources, including the Word in Motion Bible Curriculum. We want to take a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on the podcast. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. Moms, more than ever, we really do need each other. We need to be challenged, and we need accountability in the Word. Thanks for joining us, and we'll catch you in the next episode of The Real Refreshment Podcast. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for working everything out for my good. Help me trust in your perfect plan. Amen. Father, thank you for loving and caring for me. With Christian prayer meditation, you can pray along to prayers based on specific topics. Go to lifeaudio.com or search your favorite podcast app for Christian prayer meditation. You can also download the Abide app for biblical meditations at abide.com. Dot com.